Hello, dog. <laughs> Hello, Karen. Hello, I'm recording you. Thanks for the tip. I'm avoiding the legal snag and telling you I'm recording you. No, you gotta tell me. I know. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. We've missed you. We hope you're doing okay. <laughs> I don't even say I hope you're doing well. Just okay is what we strive for. We're surviving. 50% is our baseline for success. Yeah. <laughs> the bar is low, people. Yeah, really. The bar is low. <laughs> Have you seen the world around you? The bar is really low. <laughs> Oh my God, we're at season five, episode five, Unjained Melody. Um, yeah, well, and Jane is unchained. She, so I gotta ask you. Yeah. Last week you said you were you were liking the direction this new season was moving in, and what are you thinking? One more episode in. I'm still pretty much feeling the same way. Um. I don't want to say that some storylines are dragging or, or I'm, you know, I'm sort of, I don't necessarily feel like, oh, get on with it. But I, I guess maybe I am slightly less enthusiastic than I was last week, but I'm still okay. I'm glad you're okay. I will say, I think I, I get where you're coming from with the, the stories dragging, but this episode does introduce a lot of new blood. Yes, it does. And, um, wait, I'm only remembering one. Well, we'll cover them, I think, as we, you know, traipse through storyline by storyline. Okay, good. Oh, we've got a few. We've got a few. We do, we do. I, well, now I'm thinking two. Um, but I'm not sure who else. But anyway, yeah, it was, um... It was a good episode, I thought. I mean, again, it felt like an episode... And I guess because of the new blood, where we're just setting a lot of shit up, right? We are. Um, yeah. So so in that way, I felt like it maybe dragged a little bit more than the last one because there was a lot of setup going on. Definitely. So let's let's pick up right where we left off. Okay, great. A cliffhanger at Shay Allison, her new apartment a couple blocks away from the block, I presume. Um, and as Jane had left in a huff about finding out the truth about Jake and Allison, um, somehow set off this enormous electrical fire right outside Allison with Jake there, too. Right. So we pick up the apartment, you know, in flames, and Jake and Allison have already realized there is a fire. Um, they're trying to find out a way to get out, to escape, since they can't get through the front door. Um they try breaking the window through the kitchen, which has bars. They can't escape there. Um, so I guess Allison calls 911. And my first question is, does anyone else live in this building? Is anyone else at risk of being on fire? Is anyone else outside calling the cops or anything at this point? It's like Allison moved into a new development, and she's the only one there because oh, it's not it part was, of Melrose Place. Actually, it was kind of like... Uh that creepy guy that kidnapped um, that kidnapped Kimberly when she was the radio talk show host. Oh right, and yeah, have and her that in that random apartment. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was kind of like, did Allison move into the abandoned building? But maybe everybody was at work. Well, it was night, right? Yeah, they all have night jobs. Maybe they're all strippers. Oh, maybe, maybe they are. Yeah, or maybe they're actually all shooters employees. Ooh, yeah, because they couldn't leave the place alone, right? I mean, if it was open. 
was Jake and Allison were there, someone else had to be running it. So exactly. the good so news is it sounds like no one else was harmed. <laughs> right. Um, interestingly, while all of this is going on, Jane is just kind of standing by her car, staring at the fire, mesmerized by the flames. Watching. Just watching. And watching. I guess thinking, do I let it burn or do I do something? And right. She does something. She does do something. She runs up, she finds a fire extinguisher, um, contemplates using that for a minute, and then she, I, I guess her conscience gets the better of her, and she sprays the door down. There's the, the flames are still going, but she sprays the door down so that... She's um, able to break into the front door and get them out. Yeah, and they're, they're able to get out. And, but apparently, um, Allison has now lost everything. Now, again, I remember, even if the show doesn't, that Allison doesn't have a lot of everything because it's only been a year since she lost all her stuff a year ago. Well, but you know, a lot. You, Although, you know what? She was in working in Hong Kong when she came back, when she raced back to stop Billy from marrying Brooke. And that's when the bomb went off in her apartment. So maybe all of her stuff from Hong Kong later came back and that was all her stuff. And that's what is now burnt. Could be. Well, it's gone. It's gone. Whatever it is, it's gone. She's got no clothes. Her books, her wallet, her clothes. Gone. Gone. She's got nothing. But she's alive. And not blind. Not exactly. They did not inflict her with blindness or anything like this, um, with this, uh, with this uh, danger mouse um, situation. Yeah. Um, so then we, uh, we see them in the hospital. And Jane explains that um, she was like coming back to apologize and that's when she saw that there was a fire um, and that's why she was there to extinguish it and help them get out but you know Allison's a smart cookie yeah she doesn't quite believe it I mean Jane did not intentionally set the fire right I mean we need to like that was that was an accident correct yeah she like tripped a wire that I don't know why all that stuff was still there um, and yeah it was not intentional right but so she, he waited a while before turning around to get them out. Right. Right, right. Um, and so Allison now is, I mean, I guess being slightly paranoid about Jane. I mean, she kind of has no reason, though. This is this is the thing that kind of made me kind of cock my head a bit when I was watching the episode, is that I don't know that Allison has a reason to distrust Jane. Jane hasn't well, done it, like, Right. I mean, not not based on anything that had happened before that night, but if I were Allison and I knew I had a fight with Jane, who is untethered right now, and the second Jane left my apartment was on fire, I might wonder too. But do we know that Jane is untethered? I mean, we know I mean, Jane is untethered. No, no, but I mean, Allison just in terms... Well, I think the fact that a few times she's already now said to Jane and Jake, like, you had no right, he's mine, blah, blah, blah. To them, I think by now... Is enough to be a little bit like, hey, we were trying to be there for her. Now she is being unfair. Because I don't think they really broke any girl or boy code. It's just kind of what happened. You're adults. Right. So, but even if you think in the beginning that maybe Allison is being a little too quick to believe it, Jane, I don't think, I think there's ample reason to think by episode's end that, like, Allison is probably onto something. Okay. Um, but meanwhile, Sid is also kind of thinking Jane is off because both 
Sid and Sam come to the hospital. And Sid is basically like, why were you there? And, and Jane is like, well, I just called Samantha. I didn't call you. And Sid's like, yeah, well, Sam had the good sense to come to me, thank God. Um, like, she continues to be the voice of reason. Right. Like, she's, she's on to it. They, I mean, like, not in a way that would predict the further instability, perhaps. But Sid is like, all right, Jane is doing something wrong here. Right. I love it when they're walking down the, um, the hospital the corridor and I, in the hallway. And I, I wish I had made a note. I mean, I, what, I haven't been taking notes. But Sid said something to the effect of, um, you know, oh, we're committing felonies again. Like, she is, like, on to, she's on to Jane. She is really on to yeah. her. Which is quite a reversal from yeah, which two is, or three seasons ago. Exactly, exactly. You know, um, they don't give Sid a ton to do in season four, and and she's not doing the same stuff in season five that she was before, and yet there's a lot of growth to be charted that no one will talk about <laughs> with her character. She has come yeah, a very long way. She definitely has. I mean, she's definitely in the mo at the, this moment with Jane, like the adult in the room. I mean, she's still very conniving. And she's you always still looking out for number one. But, right. But in a way that is more mature. Right, right. So anyway, but I still love, I still love her. She's mature, immature. She's yeah, I love, I love her mature. I love her putting Jane in her place. Funnily, right after that comment you mentioned, when they're walking down the hospital corridor, they're about <laughs> to leave, and Jane has been like holding, I guess, a clipboard with her file, her hospital report, and she just like hands it off to a nurse that she happens to pass her. And like, that's that's not how anything works. <laughs> yeah, but we've already we've already pointed out that the Melrose Place Hospital there, whatever the hell it's called, um, is not exactly the place that you want to go when you're injured or you know have life threatening anything. It's true. It is not. Um, no. Then again, she was a doctor's wife there, so maybe she just treats it like a second home. Maybe she does. There we go. Um, so Billy is still sw swooping around here. He's still swarming. Yeah, the the king of toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah. So he um, he goes to the hospital um, because he hears about the fire, and so he goes to the hospital to I don't know save the day. Um, and but he doesn't even see Allison because he sees Allison and Jake walking out arm in arm with like Allison putting her head on Jake's shoulder and he just yeah. kind of stands there and looks wounded. Yeah. And by the way, Allison and Jake are given a clean bill of health. <laughs> That's why they're able to just walk away. Yeah. Yeah. There were no burns. Um, yeah. I guess just, there was just smoke confirmed. inhalation because they, they were coughing. They, yeah. They, I think they said that the, the smoke didn't do any damage. Yeah, of course not. They're, they're, they're clean and beautiful. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I guess now, um, Oh, right. So, Sam, so so Billy goes over to, or Sam sees Billy. Right. Sam was there, so she does see Billy. And they just have, like, a little back and forth. I mean, you know, Sam is still not happy with him from their bad date. Oh, she calls and, him an ass. Yeah, and, and his and then his um, his his speech at Jane's um, open, store opening as well that was kind of nasty and pointed, and he was drunk. And she basically is like, you're an asshole. Yeah, and he's still like, well, I'm sorry, but my best friend stole my girlfriend. And it's like, not your present girlfriend. Not someone you have a claim on. And this thing about him and Jake being best friends is like, well, only when convenient for the show. Yeah, but. they're really not best friends. They should never be best friends. They're like oil and water. They don't make sense. Um, and also, one is pretty cool, and the other is Billy. And the other is Billy. Exactly. Blank Billy. 
Um, so I can't, here's the thing. I can't get a read. Is Samantha still interested in Billy? Not interested in Billy? She's almost as blank as him. Yeah, she's still interested, which is why she's going to give him another chance. Got it. Got it. But in the meantime, now, Jane is making some moves on the bilster. Yeah, um, which is, yeah, which is really odd. Because at the boutique, um, Sid tells Jane to get over Jane. And Jane is like, actually, I am. I've invited Billy over. So first of all, it's like, you've known Billy for five years. You've been platonic friends this whole time. Now you want to come over and you want him to come over so you can use him. But also, he literally just went on a date with the girl who is your roommate. Yeah. And I'm glad is breaking the girl code. Yeah. And she knew about the date, right? I believe so. I mean, I believe everyone in the Melrose universe knows everything unless we're told otherwise. Okay. I, I think for sure Sam knew. Okay. I mean, excuse me, that Jane knew about Sam. Okay. So we're um, And like Sam's not real cool about, I mean, not real happy about this because it's uncool, but she's like, I don't really want to go back to being in college, but okay, I'll go to a movie or something. Right, because uh, Jane is effectively kicking her out of the apartment so that she can, I don't know, have sex with Billy. Try to seduce Billy, yeah. To seduce Billy, whatever. And so, you know, so not only is she seducing the dude that Samantha was interested in, she is also giving Sam the boot from the apartment where she lives so she and pays rent. Yeah, so that she can seduce the guy that Sam likes. It is... Sam, Sam is more rightfully put out because of Jane than Billy, who at that moment, she still says, is very immature. She's like, fine, have him. Um, right. I think he's immature. But again, Jane is the one who has already broken the girl code that she is so upset about. Right, right. So Billy comes over to Jane's. Um, and while he's there, I mean, like, it's so crazy. Sam is basically on her way out. And Billy is like... Hey, I'm here to see Jane, but I'm not interested in Jane, and I am still interested in you. Who is also dumb enough to be like, all right, I'll give you another chance, I think. Yeah, yeah. what was it? All right, I'm free to, the night after, the day after yeah. tomorrow, or whatever it was. Yeah. She's like, well, my mom would tell me not to do this, but my mom isn't here, so I'm free tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. So, meantime, like, I, I mean, Jane, like, does, isn't really good at the moves. Can we just point, can no, we just point that terrible. out? Like, she, she's basically, like, saying to Billy, like, well, I'm still in love with Jake, and you're still in love with Allison, so let's get it on. Like, what? Yeah, let's, she's like, let's make them jealous together. Yeah, so, like, and, and it's like, well, you know, you can have a fake relationship, maybe. But it's like, she's basically telling him, I'm not really interested in you, you're not interested in me, let's just do this to try and score our exes back. Yeah, again, she's not being sultry or anything, but she is saying, let's start having sex to make them jealous. Not like, let's pretend to be right. a couple. She's like, you and me now, it's our turn, and it'll get them back, which yeah. never works anyway. But, never works but anyway, yeah. 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 Um, and, and for once, terrible. Billy is not the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> no, he actually turns her down. Yeah. And what I think he said something like, I'm moving on from Allison or something like that. Um, I think so. He said, I know he says he doesn't want to make them jealous. Um, he probably does say, like, he's moving on, which is essentially yeah. what he does. Yeah, because, like, I kind of feel like, the, like, what I, he said something to the effect that made me feel like he was going to now actively pursue whatever this is with, with Sam. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Okay, so I didn't misread that. No, so he leaves. And then out Jane, so again, because of Allison's burnt up apartment, she has moved into Jake's apartment. Right. So now Jane can see when Jake and Allison come home together to go to his apartment. And now she's kind of peeping Tomming, peepee Tomming, right? Peeping Tomming. Yeah. You know, like kind of peeking in the windows, seeing them on the bed, you know, seeing them kissing. I mean, they always look like they're having just such a good time at these moments, even though like, you know, even though half the time they're kind of fighting because Allison is talking about Jane and Jake is telling her to get over it. Yeah, they are. They are fighting. It is a tense time for them. But then it looks like the sex is so good it doesn't matter. Right, exactly. Which I imagine it would be, quite frankly. Um, I I would think so, too. But yeah, so this first time, Jane like sees them, peeks in, and then goes back and calls them. And by then, like I know the star sixty nine, it's the nineties, but it doesn't matter. So Jane prank calls them, and Jake is telling Allison, "Don't answer it." And she's like, "It could be shooters. I have to answer it." Which, if anything, like Jake should want to be the one to be more concerned that it's shooters. But Allison answers, and there's no one talking on the other end of the line. We see Jane just sitting there not saying anything I don't um, <laughs> yes and dear listeners you have to remember this was 1996 six, yeah 1996 there was no caller id was there i don't think there was or you had to pay for it maybe i, I mean i feel like ID. i know i never had it but i feel like people did have it then i know there was star 69 you could call star that, 69 which would call it back call the number call back, it back. But then there was also Star 67, which would block it from being called back. So, like, if I dialed you and I dialed Star 67 and then I hung up, if you Star 69, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to call it back. I used to remember all of these, like, weird little tricks, but now I don't remember anymore. Those were the, that's kind of the only trick I remember. I feel like there might have been one or two more. There are probably remember? more others. I just don't do you, did you ever do an emergency breakthrough? No. Oh, those were fun. Did you do it because you had to or to fuck with someone? No, I did it because, like, if I was trying to call a friend and their line was busy, 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 I would just, for, like, hours, I would call the operator and be like, could you do an emergency breakthrough? Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No, but... And then one time my parents did it to me, but that was because um, my dad didn't have call waiting. He refused to get call waiting. And it made me crazy because I was always on the phone. I'm trying to picture you always on the phone. I was. I used to always be on the phone when I was a kid. Now I can't stand it. Now I can't stand the phone. It's hard for me to remember. And there was like a brief window, I think. Not like all of my teenage years when I would be on the phone with people. But now I can't stand the phone. I mean, I will say pandemic um, has made me uh, a new appreciate, a new, uh, I don't know, like. Newly appreciative. Newly appreciative. Thank you. I'm now calling people more. You know, but it's still like really weird to call people. Like I kind of like, you know, 15 years ago, you would just pick up the phone and call somebody and leave a message if they weren't there. And that was it. Right. But now it's almost like you apologize for calling people and you like try and set up the call ahead of time. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. You have to plan your calls ahead of time. You're like, are you free during this time? Can I call you this weekend? Can I call you tonight? You can't just call. You can't just call anymore. It's like there's something invasive about it. 
Yeah, which is like, I hate that, which I like, I because I just want to kind of call people and be like, hey, yo, what's up, you know? But yeah, like now all of a sudden, like with email and everything else, which I guess because like email and texting, well, you're reaching out to somebody and, and then they can respond on their They'll time. They'll get it the when they get it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with a phone call, it's a little bit more demanding of somebody's time, I guess. But I mean, yeah, I. because you're automatically taking them away from doing something else. Right, right. But I mean, I kind of like there's been definitely like a newer appreciation on my part um, to being on the phone with people. I did two phone calls today. Hey, good was, for you. Yeah, yeah, I did two two phone calls. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, back when I was a teenager, I was on the phone constantly, constantly, constantly. And then I did PR um, in the land before email. And um, and then I got quickly burned out from phone calls now yeah that no that's that's probably around the time it happened for me i was like i never want to call anyone again but now i'm getting to the point where it's like i just can't even with my email anymore you know because it's just easier because it's more efficient quite frankly well like i can't stand email too because it's like i just i think it's because i'm just bombarded with it i don't know i have like i have like five thousand unread emails in my email account I was there at one point. Now I have a lot of flagged emails that I sort of read, but have to go back to. Yeah, which is kind of like, I, I gave up flagging. It was like, I'm just going to leave them unread. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck it. I just won't even read them. That's fine. <laughs> so, like, if you've been emailing me, there's, um, you know, a good chance I didn't actually look at it. Um, yeah, anyway. Um, so back to Jane. Back to Jane. Are we done now? No. We're not done with Jane? No, because then a night or two later, I'm assuming, um, she again peeks in Jake and Allison's window and sees them in bed, like, just kissing, and throws a brick through the window. Oh, I forgot about the brick. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, so I mean, she's escalating. Allison automatically thinks it's Jane, and Jake thinks it's Billy. Right. So... Jake thinks this is part of the arguing you were talking about with Alice. He's like, look, Jane has been through enough. Let's drop it. Yet they go to Jane's apartment and she has quickly like kind of taken down the top uh, like of her top, her sweater that was covering her shoulders and has wrapped herself in a towel as though she were just about to take a shower. That as sort of her alibi that it couldn't have been her. Um, and, and then she pins it on Billy. Um, She's like, he's been going through a tailspin and puts it on him. And so then Jake goes over to Billy. Um, well, during this time, Billy has gone out on a date with Sam. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in conjunction with another story. Um, but for the first time, he sort of opens up, and now they seem to have hit it off. And it's when they return back to the building that Jake has been sitting there waiting for Billy to come back. Um, and he, like, goes up to him and grabs him by the shirt or the sweater. He's wearing, like, an ugly sweater. And, um, and he says he thinks it's him. And Sam's like, no, Billy was with me. And he's like, what time did you get there? And Billy says 8 o'clock. And Jake's like, plenty of time. for you have thrown the brick in. He goes, don't ever come near us again. While Jane watches from her window. Um, and that's, that pretty much covers all of them for the storyline. So yes, Jake, Jane has been escalating uh, her, her, what's the word, the word, instability. Yes. Yes, it has definitely been escalating. 
And I don't uh, think this goes on for a long time, but I think we still have a couple episodes more dealing with, like, this annoying version of Jane, which it, it annoys me. Yeah, because the instability is kind of, I, I get it, like, Richard, and but she was, like, weird and unstable before Richard. Like, she was, like, you know, all that shit that she was doing with Richard. I mean, she's been, like, weird since the original heart lady there what, what the hell Mackenzie oh part. Mackenzie yeah. yeah I mean Jane is always dumb you know she just always does dumb things when she needs to you know when she lit the had the torch set off the fire at that fashion show I mean like that's not a secure woman no no the secure She's... woman would have sat by Jake right or would have not shown up at all yeah yeah or that you know, or just wouldn't have, wouldn't have gone at all, or, you know, would have sued him, or, you know, like, there are other ways to, to go about yeah. this, you know, like, you know, use a tiki to torch to, you know, set off a, this fire sprinklers, so, anyway, yeah, I'm not, I'm kind of not crazy about uh, Crazy Jane. Um, yeah, like and I I'm said, I don't remember this lasts forever, I just remember hating it while it did last. And I, I mean, in particular, because she always, like, it's always, like, a, I mean, I guess it's a soap, but it's sort of, like, she she's just always kind of, like, I don't know, does she always need to be in a relationship or something? Like, that's what it feels like. It does, I mean, like, she's really always been connected to someone. Or about yeah. to be connected to someone. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind when, of... Quite started... frankly, the Jane that I liked the best was the one that pushed Amanda out of the way and got in the elevator with Richard Hart for her business, not because of anything romantic. Right, exactly. And and I think that they're, and because she's had her own design business like three times and now she's got this boutique and like they could have actually made her a really great professional foil for Amanda, but instead they just kind of keep putting her into bad relationships. Yeah. You know, and she actually could have been um, a, another sort of like, you know, interesting interesting professional woman you know especially since now Allison is no longer working at D&D &D, she's now sort of a professional waitress you know and so we don't have that sort of cutthroat office atmosphere going on anymore right we're about to well, enter a new chapter but yes, yes you're right yeah well I mean but between I would I should say like maybe between like Amanda and between Alice. some of our female characters yeah. though yeah yeah so so in a way I almost I'm starting to feel like and I'm not a fan of the Bechdel test by any stretch of the imagination because I do think, um, and, you know, actually I should have talked to you about this earlier, but I think maybe for um, Hollywood Boulevard, we should have a new segment called Unpopular Opinion. Um, and I will throw this out This right is now. a sneak preview, guys. This is a sneak preview. You heard it first. So did I. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, if you're doing a TV show, a movie, a book, whatever it is, about life right like what what is like Mas was it maslow's hierarchy hierarchy of needs right like love is one of those needs and so if you are having so if you are doing a contemporary show or even like a show that has any sort of realism in it you know of course a character is going to not only have a career or be fighting a war or whatever it is that that character is doing, they're also going to have feelings for other people. And they're going to discuss those feelings for other people with their best friends, you know? And so I think by saying, well, you know, 
we're going to have this test and it's very important that like in entertainment, you know, a woman doesn't talk to her best friend about men and they can only have conversations about things that quote unquote matter where I would argue, no, like love and relationships and that sort of like romantic connection actually matters as much as your career or your battle with orcs or, you know, yeah. because it, 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 it fills, it fills a need that we have as humans. Like that just fill it's, it's part of one of our needs. And so by taking that away, you are actually taking away an ability to create a well-rounded character. Very well said. Thank you. Um, so that's, I know, an unpopular opinion, and I'm sure that you can argue that to death about, um, but that's not the point and all of that. But that's always what I've read into the whole um, special test thing. I, and do I have it right or have I misinterpreted what it is? Um, I mean, I think the other angle you could take, and I'm not disagreeing with you, is that the Bechdel test is, is, is saying you fail the test if two women are having a conversation and they are only talking about men or their romantic interest in men because it is shunning the other aspects of their lives and that lives are fuller and there are other things you can talk about. But when you're talking about a story, those are often the things that do matter and are compelling to an audience. So that's why I agree with you. But that is, I suppose, why one might disagree with your take. Right. So you can talk about it, but as long as it's not the only thing? No, I think if, as long as you talk about a man, at some point you're failing. That's what that's what I thought, um, because that that and that's where I feel like you, then you then you're not creating right. Then you're not creating these full characters. Whereas if it was, it can't be the only thing you talk about. Well, then I would say, okay, I can agree with that. But when it when it comes down to you are not you can't talk about that or you fail, then I think you're then you know you're you're dismissing, leaving out, or ignoring, avoiding, whatever, you know, something that is a very basic part of human relationships right. and, and, and the human, think, li a human life, human story. Right. I think the, the test might not work in that if it's saying, if you're talking about, if you're talking about a man, then they are so making these women somehow limited or defined by men and romantic relationships when it's not necessarily true, if they are bringing it up, it is important to them, but it doesn't limit who they are and what they know. It's just something that is, you know, compelling. And are you, if you are, um, if you're gay, right? If you're, if you're a gay woman, would, are you allowed to talk about a romantic relationship with your best friend or is that also off limits in terms of, like, would you also be failing if you discuss that? I don't know. I, I, my assumption would be if you are talking and is limited to only talking or to somehow talking about your romantic partner or desired romantic partner, then that still fails. Then that would still fail. Okay. Yeah. Cause, um, because I'm sort of feeling like, okay, like how, like, is it gendered? Is it, but no, like you're still failing if you're talking about any sort of romantic entangle entanglements. Yes, but I will have to double check on all of this. And if I find out I am wrong, I will fess up next week. Okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, because I was, 
so I, that's anyway. I so I struggle with that, and I fail that test every single time. But that's fine. Well, if, if you disagree with it, then it's not failure. That's all right. <laughs> but anyway, so but this is definitely one area where I feel like we could have had a little. How do you pronounce it? I'm I always pronounce it wrong. Bechtel. I think it's Bechtel. 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 Um, you know, um, that you know, Jane. We are still talking about Jane, right? I lost the plot. Oh my God. We were, we had concluded the, the talk about Jane and this led into that. And this led into that, right. But I do feel like at this point, like we're, they're failing the Bechtel, 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 why can't I say it? It's like I have a block. Um, Bechtel's house and, and I'm kind of like, like at one like I'm bringing it up because I'm kind of wishing that they would not fail it at this point because it's just getting redundant like I'm just tired of it and let's give Jane something else to do yeah I agree also and I think they are failing in general uh, not a test but the storyline because we have five years of history and relationships and blah 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 and we've got Jane Billy Allison Jake and now the new character Sam connected perhaps also tangentially Sid, and this is all they've come up with. I mean, I feel like there is a more enticing storyline that could entwine all of their characters than this. We just haven't found it yet. Yeah, we may know. If they we don't may get never us, find we it. We might not find it. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, anyway. where should we go next? Well, I think we can really, really quickly talk about Kimberly which does introduce something brand new to me. Um, Kimberly is apparently um, now frigid. Kimberly and Michael are not having sex since she has come back from her coma and her life as Betsy. Um, and now she's working as, they clarify, a temporary receptionist. Um, for the Burns Mancini practice. You know, Michael was complaining about her filing, and she goes, I know you're frustrated because we aren't having sex. And it's like, what? But apparently they're not, and this is how we learn. And at that time, Taylor walks into the practice um, to overhear that Peter is in Santa Barbara with Amanda. They are uh, doing their delayed honeymoon. So just hold on, hold on to that knowledge. Later, Kimberly tells Michael that she and her therapist are discussing intimacy issues. Now, if Kimberly is actually seeing a therapist, I want to see that. I want to know right. what that is and how that started and see who this person is. Um, but we don't know anything more about that therapist. Um, and and they, she asks Michael to give her a massage and he can't do it. He is now fleeing from their intimacy and he goes for a run. Oh, a yes, days, that's right. A couple days later, he is again now going for what is probably a daily run to, I don't know, escape Kimberly um, <laughs> on the beach. Uh, and and this attractive jogger uh, runs up to him and they're running in tandem for a bit and she flirts with him and, and then she runs by and says, I run here every day. So again, hold on to that. And the actor is Kelly Rutherford. Kelly Rutherford. So oh, I when her. I said, um, and this was the first time I had seen her, um, but when I said uh, they've introduced new blood, 
I am including her because we are not done with her. Right. I, I forgot that she. I forgot that she made her first appearance. I love her. Do you know her from much? I can't remember what I know her from, but I I actually adore her, and I don't remember. It's probably from a soap. Is my guess um, when I first like I think I knew her pre. Um, Melrose. It might have been from Generations because I don't think I watched Loving. I don't think I watched Generations. I'd forgotten about Generations, but I knew she was on Loving, but I hadn't seen her on that. Um, and then subsequently, her biggest thing is probably being on Gossip Girl. Yes, I knew that she was on Gossip Girl, but I didn't really watch that. But yeah, um, I knew her from one of those, um, one of those soaps, and loved her. Um, so I should say that uh, she will stay. This is her how she joins the show, but she will stay with Melrose through its final episode. Yay! So she's a lifer, which is great because um, I'm happy to have her. Yeah. So stay tuned uh, on that, and I guess we should talk more about um, uh, Amanda and Peter in Saint in Santa Barbara. Yeah, um, you know, Peter is acting weird, though. He he is acting weird. Um, like, not in, a, not in a Peter's being cagey weird way. It's like now they've kind of rewritten his character, have, so he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. yeah. In, like a, in like a easily threatened kind of way. Like, he's kind of like, I don't know, like he's kind of like a sexist dick towards yeah. Amanda in yeah. in certain ways and I kind of was like look like kind of watching their interaction and sort of being like oh Amanda you need to slug him and move on like he's yeah, really that's... being like out of character and she's kind of putting up with it in a very in yeah, this sort of out of character, character. Yeah. yeah yeah so I think the first glimmer is when they check in and um I guess the bellhop says he calls her Ms. Woodward because she booked the room, so it's in her name. And he's like, "It's actually Mrs. Burns." So that already gets under him. Um, and oh, oh, it was room service that said that. I'm trying to think. I don't know if we see him again before Taylor has gone to Kyle at the restaurant and encouraged him to take off a few days in Santa Barbara now that she knows Peter and Amanda are there, even though Kyle's restaurant is right about to open. Like, it's opening within days, yes. Yeah, truly days. Um, but they go. And so I think the next thing we see is Amanda is coming around the pool in her bathing suit to Peter, who is now sitting with Kyle and Taylor, who have shown up, checked in, and found him. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, Kyle and Peter are so dumb at this point. Um, should not question anything that's going on. And Amanda's on to something, but she's really questioning the wrong person right now. Because um, uh, Peter and Kyle make plans to go golfing, and Amanda goes to Peter and says, what is up with you and Taylor? Um, and she's like, I should be golfing with you instead of Kyle. And... Um, so, yeah, I mean, if I were Amanda, and I would have already seen 
Taylor has moved into the apartment. Taylor has shown up when my husband has been in court. And now Taylor has found me on my secret honeymoon. Um, what the fuck is her problem? What does What is she after? Right. I mean, that's already... It's not three strikes, but, you know, it's three exhibits in, in some sort of argument. Um, so, yeah. I should step back for a second to say that Amanda is on the secret honeymoon because instead of a normal person booking it in advance, taking time off, scheduling it as vacation, putting up an out-of-office, um, whatever, she just leaves a note for Billy saying, like, Peter and I are on our honeymoon. Cover for me, thanks. Bye. It's unfortunate timing, because while she is out of office for a few days, uh, Arthur Field, the Michael DeBarge character that we met in the last season when Billy was super icky, um, is back with his a-hole son, Craig. More new blood, played by David Charvet, who is now joining the show, too. Yes. Now, where do I know him from? Baywatch. Ah, got it. Thank you. He's terrible. He is, Yeah. I'm convinced they hired him and they hired Patrick Muldoon to make Billy look like a better actor. I mean, it's an experiment that doesn't work, but it basically just taints all of the material um, because we're just left with multiple mushmouthed doofus actors. Um, Craig at first says, or makes it look like he wants to be taken seriously and... Uh, you know, not be treated like the boss's son, but he's very quickly telling Billy how he likes his coffee taken um, and uh, asks to be filled in on office politics. He's talking to Billy about how Billy was sleeping with Amanda. I mean, it's basically jerk versus jerk, but Billy will end up looking better by default. Um, Billy calls Amanda, while he finds her while she and Peter are on this honeymoon, just gives her a heads up that, like, you know, they brought this new guy, Craig, in. Um, I don't like him. And Amanda's like, all right, I'll deal with it when I get back. What we don't see is Craig is also snooping in Billy's office and sees that note that Billy, like, folded up and put in a drawer instead of just tossing um, or putting in his wallet. Um, uh, so he knows um, that Amanda isn't, like, secretly with clients that she didn't tell anyone about. She's she's on her honeymoon. Like again, this just could have been handled a little differently, I think. But, yes. But but here we are. And then I think that it's the next day when Amanda and Peter are golfing and she gets a call from Arthur Field, the father. Um so yeah, he demands he... that she comes back and that she fire Billy. Yeah, like all of a sudden that was story it kind of came, that kind of came out of left field. Yeah, it's a yeah, it, there's an odd game that's being played, but it doesn't really make sense because it, it just doesn't all add up. Right, because on the one hand, you see that, they, that they've planted the son to sort of take Billy's place, or that's what he's angling to do. And it sounded, and it seemed more it was going to be like a sort of slow push out rather than a, you know, daddy's calling Amanda and being like, you need to fire Billy. And where did this come from? Just because Billy slept with Amanda? Or like, like it was just, it was, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it really, it really does come out of nowhere, and I'm, I like, I'm not really sure what anyone's end game is, but so Amanda gets the call, and she's like, "All right, I'll do it," but I'm not coming back this afternoon, um, and I guess she comes back the next day. She's in the parking garage, and 
Arthur Field is in his limo, and he like beckons for her to come into the back seat, and then he threatens to fire both her and Billy, and she sort of counters and says, "Well, I'll sue," um, and there's sort of like a tit for tat thing going on, and then he says, "Okay, fine, then just demote Billy, but don't tell him that it's part of a compromise." <laughs> uh, okay. I um, like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so then Amanda is back in the office and Craig introduces himself to her and she really isn't taking his crap. And then Billy is actually trying to be as good a guy as he can. And he goes to tell Amanda the news that he found Craig like, oh, because there's also a night that Billy is working late and overhears Craig and his father talking. Right? He hears them plotting. That's right. Yes. He's, he's like outside of, were they in Amanda's office? Like, I don't remember where they were. It might've been in Arthur's office himself. I can't remember, but he does hear them. So he feels like he is forearmed to warn Amanda that like the sharks are out, but it doesn't really matter because she's already swum with the sharks at this point too. So Billy's like, I have something to tell you. And Amanda says, I have something to tell you too. Um, she demotes him and she's like, I'm pulling these four accounts. And he's like, but those are mine. I got the clients. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Be glad you're not getting fired. Now, what was your news? And he's like, never mind. Right. And walks out. That is what has happened earlier in the day. And then later that day is when he has the date with Sam. So when I said he's a little humbled and he's able to open up to her, that's where that comes from. That is where that comes from. Exactly. Um... And then, separately, I didn't mention this, but they keep showing more signs of Sam being a really good artist, in addition to just sketching. She's apparently a good painter, although the paintings that they show don't look particularly <laughs> enticing to me. That's um, not my style, no. <laughs> um, but she has done a painting that they put in like the front of Jane's Boutique. Jane's right. Boutique is apparently in the same shopping center in L.A. that Kyle's restaurant is. Just so now that everyone has come back from Santa Barbara, um, Kyle is back in his kitchen and Sid stops by the restaurant, I guess, to have a big pasta lunch. I don't know. Yeah, she um, wants to take out. And um, so they, he, like, sort of reintroduces himself to her and he gives her a tour of the kitchen. You know, she gets a stain on her jacket um, meanwhile, Kyle, they're like sort of talk flirting. Kyle it's asks sort of about flirty. Yeah. that painting and she goes, oh, I represent that artist. You know, again, Sid always finding something in it for herself. Um, and that's kind of where they are. Just sort of leaving the door open in general um, to maybe get closer. Yeah, um, so, I mean, is it, 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 are they just setting something up here that's going to not be a thing because they seem to do that a lot or it could this lead somewhere down the road do we think it leads a little further but nothing really great is like my answer is ultimately yes and no uh. <laughs> but this was actually a couple i was shipping before i could ship things because we didn't have that term um back then because I loved Sid, and I actually really liked Rob Estes coming off of Silk Stockings. I thought they had good chemistry. I was like, this is the couple that I want to see happen. You're, you know what, you're absolutely right, because I was kind of rooting for this to continue, and there, I must say, like, there is slight disappointment to hear that yeah. 
Yeah. You know, because oh. I felt like that that was a good that was a good match. Yeah, I I can't disagree. So really quickly, you know what I have forgotten to mention all Matt. the episodes of this season? No, oh, we'll, no. We'll, get, we'll get to Matt, <laughs> but I don't want to go further and forget it. And Matt, we can talk about it in 30 seconds. Um, do you n know about the controversy with uh, Lisa Rinna's hiring to play Taylor back in when it happened? No. So she was not the original casting choice. They originally cast an actress named Hunter Tyler, who was best known, remains best known for The Bold and the Beautiful. She's one of their um, lead characters, always involved in like the central love triangles. She was cast and then fired from the role because she got pregnant. Oh. And then they hired Lisa Rinna to replace her. And there was a big lawsuit against Spelling Entertainment. Um, about a year later, so we're talking, these episodes air in 96, and I think this went to court in 97. Hunter Tyler was on the stand saying it was wrongful termination. Um, and she's like, I could have still done the role even though I was pregnant. You might not have even been able to tell. And they actually, it was kind of like something right out of a TV show. The lawyer, her, I think her lawyer said, oh really? And she goes, yes. In fact, I'm pregnant again right now. Can you tell? And no one could tell. So she did win some amount. I don't remember what it was, but Lisa Rinna is the one who won the role. And that's how she got Taylor. But that is the backstory and that is the controversy. And it did make a lot of headlines in its time. Don't remember that. I had no idea. Yeah. Super wild. Uh, well, and then she went back to Bold and the Beautiful and Rena went on to own Hollywood. Um, so, okay, back to Matt. Um, we see a bit more of Michael because he does bail Matt out um, and basically says Matt is on his own. And Matt's argument is very um, counterproductive. He's basically saying, I was so stoned last night, I don't even remember that I solicited a prostitute. Right. Which is not a resounding argument to say. No, it's not a good argument to get out of a trouble. I don't yeah. have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael actually checks Matt into a rehab facility. Not Twin Oaks, not the one Allison checked into, a new one called like Hathaway Rehab Center. Um, and Matt is being like a bullish person who was forced to check into rehab. He's saying, I don't consider myself an addict. Um, he's worried that this will affect his career, which like, quite frankly, it should. Um, and he does bring up, like, when, well, when I was a social worker, I saw plenty of addicts, and I'm not one of them, which I thought was, like, uh, at least we're tying into his past career. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then in another scene, we see him hanging out in, I don't know, like, the library. Um, and the Hathaway, the owner of the rehab center, um, comes up to him and says, hey, you have been going to any of the sessions, you have a bad attitude, um, and Matt is still defensive, and the guy, like, kind of starts to break down Matt's walls. He goes, yeah, you remind me of myself. I was an addict, too. And then I cleaned myself up and created a rehab center for more people like me. Um, and that actor is Greg Evigan. Do you know who he is? No. Oh, he was on the show My Two Dads with Paul Reiser and BJ and the Bear before that. Um, 
I watched my two dads. Successful. I don't remember him from that show. Was he one he of had, the dads? Yeah, he was the other dad. He had I a totally beard. I don't there. remember him. Oh, he had a beard. Maybe that's why I don't remember yeah. him. Yeah, he was like the 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 painter and the one who was more like go with the flow and always having sex with girls, women, I should say. Um, really, I thought that was. Oh my god, I totally thought that was a different actor. Now I had, couldn't even tell you. Um, who, what actor that, unless he like, I did not recognize him even a little bit. Well, this is now like almost a decade later and clean shaven. And I guess he just looks a little different and you weren't expecting him. Yeah. Cause I guess it was, um, I got thrown by the, uh, by the, by the lack of beard. I get, yeah. Um, I will say this was kind of a get back in the day. Was it really? Yeah. Certainly as much as, say, David Charvet from Baywatch was. Why? Was, I mean, that was, was like a big... Of note. That was I mean, like a big difference. Like, time-wise, time it was a le- like years between my two dads and... Yeah, but I think Greg Evigan was considered a popular TV actor for several decades. Really? Yeah. Who knew? Well, doesn't you have did. the ultimate career to show for it, per se, but um, yeah, that was, I think, yeah, that was considered, like, not stunt casting, but that was a deliberate hire. But kind of in the way that um, uh, Anne-Marie Johnson was as Alicia Barnett, which is right. not huge now, but known to TV viewers at the time. Right. Okay. And that's, that's I think that's all there was for Matt, too. Yeah, that that I think was um, what was as far as Matt's storyline went. Who are we I forgetting? Think I covered everything, right? Yeah, are we forgetting anyone? We did no. I think we there got. I think a, we got it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of wrapping around and around with what's happening with Amanda and Peter uh, in Santa Barbara, while also going on at D and D with Billy and Craig talking about Amanda. But ultimately, it doesn't add up to much when you put it together until you get to the end, and we covered that. Right, right. Um, Craig is really going to be a thorn in Amanda's side for a while. Yeah, that's what I figured. I feel like, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like at one point, the advertising agency, does Amanda leave and form her own agency? Or like, I feel like she and Billy and Allison go off and do their own thing. Is this the beginning of the end for D&D? Yeah, I would say it's the beginning of the end. I would say by season six, we don't see D&D anymore. Okay, all right. Um, so so you're, that... you're absolutely right about what happens with that. Okay, so then but, I am. Uh, gonna... But not necessarily Billy and Allison and Amanda all going off into the advertising sunset together. Okay, I, that's, I don't know why I remember that, but, um, but, I, but I could be remembering that part wrong. No, you pretty much remembered it right. Oh, look at me being smart late at night. Go you. Go me. Um, and we're going to go. Yes, we're going to go to Hollywood Boulevard. Well, that's a segue. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's time. And um, It's time. It's time. Um, so we're going to zoom over there. You guys come join us. Yeah, please, please follow us. And um, if you don't, then, you know, please stay well. And give us stars. Five and give us, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. <laughs> Just just a little reminder, friendly reminder. All right. 
We're going to go to Hollywood Boulevard. We got shit to talk about there. We hope you come with us. Um, yeah, so we're good. Yeah, we'll be back with more unpopular opinions, too. Yay! We love those. All right, guys, we'll see you over there. Bye. Bye.